Christmas. Welcome to Rhapsody of Reverie, a show where music and storytelling go hand in hand. I'm your ghost of Christmas present host, Adrian. And I'm your sugar plum fairy host, Katerina. Welcome to the Christmas episode, gang. Ayo. But that's not ro- uh, reindeer up on the rooftop. It's us. <laughs> Why? You know, I thought I was going somewhere with that. <laughs> and then it was not going anywhere. You were so confident in the lead up. And I was hyped. I was like, yeah. Well, now that I have completely derailed this, it's the Christmas episode. Woo! Uh, carefully cover up the Halloween logo. On your shirt. For the Patreon members. Hey. That's right, because if you are a Patreon member, you get to see video recordings of this. And for the Patreon people, please excuse the mess. My room's covered in Christmas gifts. None of them are for you. You've all been naughty. Alright, this is getting dirty and I don't like it. (laughs) It's getting away from me again. Okay. So, alright. Here's the thing, guys. We know we said that Cat Clyde... I don't belong here was going to be the next episode. But then Christmas happened and we were like, yo, let's do a fun Christmas episode because we love Christmas. And the year has been spooky and tragic enough for, for, you know, the stories that were spooky and tragic could wait a little while longer is all we were saying. Because guess what? A Cat Clyde story's done, but we're going to sit on it for a little bit. We're just going to yeah. sit on it. Yeah. You'll see, hopefully. Point is, guys, we have a festive, frolicking, phenomenal, phantasmagorically good Christmas episode for you all today. We've put a lot of heart into this and a lot of thought went into making these Hallmark Channel-worthy, sleazy, cheesy, mwah, mwah, romantic comedies that we are going to present to you today. Because, yes, guys, we turned that cheese factor up to 11. We rammed that unrealistic Christmas magic. (laughs) You started that sentence, and I was very afraid of where it was going. You just said ram. <laughs> that is not the point of this episode. Santa Claus is getting pegged. <laughs> Stuff. That is not what we wrote. Santa Claus is not getting pegged in these stories. No. The elves are. No, <laughs> No, but think about it, though, real quick. Real quick, let's think about it. Hey. Why weren't you at elf practice? <laughs> what? If Santa wants to get paid. You know what? No. I'm not going to do it. We're not going down this dirty, dirty, filthy, heathen (laughs) road that I started us on. (laughs) Santa is a good man. He is wholesome. He brings presents. He climbs in your chimney. For those who have chimneys, I guess. Uh (laughs) Yeah. Or he just breaks into your house like a normal person. We all saw the <laughs> Sa- we else. all saw the Santa Claus. We know what happens when you don't have a chimney. He magically manifests one, and then unmanifests it. It would have been so much better if they just showed Santa like 
breaking yeah. a window. <laughs> Honestly, yes. Um, <laughs> it would have been. Like, ho, ho, ho. Yeah. And just like all the other good little children do uh, this time of the year, we hope that you allow us to break and enter into your homes to read you do not. <laughs> No. <laughs> to read you no. our Christmas stories. No. Pause. We're breaking and entering why are you, via why their are you ears incriminating and us their hearts. And a crime we're not doing. <laughs> that we... If somebody frames us for a robbery, it's your fault. No, we're breaking in via their hearts and their ears in this magical Christmas time. Okay. We wrote some stories for y'all based on some Christmas yeah. music. Okay, take it or leave it. It's what we do. <laughs> what song did we pick this week? <laughs> you know what it is. You know why you're here. What what song did we pick for the Christmas uh, story? So for our wonderful cheesy Christmas stories, we decided to pick a personal favorite uh, Christmas song of ours here at Rhapsody and Reverie. A good old little ditty called Ho Ho Hopefully by the Main. Yay! Which you may have heard us talk about in an episode prior in previous seasons, because we did a Christmas episode a while back where we talked about our favorite Christmas songs, and this is a really good one. I think it's it's got the appropriate amount of yearning and the appropriate amount of seasonal flair, because it does very much capture that uh, almost Christmas, how the lights look in December, fresh fall and snow, a, a little bit of holiday cuffing season stuff. Yeah, it's got mad cuffing season vibes. <laughs> yeah. So we, I think we both wanted to focus on that aspect of, of like new love and of romance and... Uh, Grand gestures and being together by the Christmas tree because that's where we're supposed to be. So I think uh, I I think you guys will enjoy them. I hope you enjoy them. And if you don't, who hurt you? <laughs> Why don't you love Christmas? <laughs> but before we tune in to our stories, how about we do our favorite segment? Up and comers! Woo! Okay, this week, it's my turn. <laughs> so, um, I've been jamming pretty hard lately to a band called DBMK. How to describe DBMK? They are a duo that does a lot of really cool, um... Dope as hell. Dope as hell. All, uh, electronic and pop, I would say. Maybe electropop, perhaps. I've introduced Adrian to this band already, so she is familiar with what I'm trying to describe here. Yeah, I get if... I don't know if you'll agree with this, mm -hmm. but the comparison that comes to my mind is like if the 1975 and water parks had a baby. That's a fair, that's a fair description. I would, I would also say... That they're like the peak of like 1985 and like modern day 2000s pop had a baby. Because some of their songs are so, they, they, they fill me with the same kind of emotion I get from listening to a really good 80s song. 
<laughs> Even though they don't really have that same sound, it's the vibe, which <laughs> I don't know if that's accurate or not. But I would agree, Water Parks and the 1975 had a baby. I really, really, really love how their tracks sound musically, their electronic components sound so natural. Because sometimes, you know, it doesn't blend very well with everything else, but everything they do sounds so natural and it fits together so well. I love their lyricism. I love their vocals. I love everything about DBMK. They're, they're really dope. <laughs> That's all I have to say. They've Their latest, as of the recording this episode, was... I Heard You Had a Girlfriend that came out in September. It was a single. But they are promising new music very soon. Hopefully, that's true. Uh, if I Heard You Had a Girlfriend so much. That song's so good. It's so good. That's the most 80s sounding one. Yeah. Uh, I'm, very, I'm very excited for when they put out more. If you want to follow them on social media, they are at Music on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Look at that. Three for three. <laughs> we hey. we never get that where they're the same at. So yeah, give them a follow, stream their songs, buy some records. Christmas is coming. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, tell them Rhapsody Memory sent you. Why don't you? And listen to I Heard You Had a Girlfriend mm. all the time. And rot. Anyway, enough about that. You know what we're doing, why we're doing it, what we're doing it about, who's doing it first? You mean reading stories? Yes. Yeah, that's what we're about to do. And someone's gonna do it first. And you know what? What? Just for that, it's gonna be you. I respect that decision. (laughs) I accept my punishment. It is just and fair. Okay. I hope you enjoy it. I put a lot of thought into making it as cheesy as possible. While also being heartfelt. That's beautiful. I think I got phlegm in my chest. (laughs) (laughs) Try to keep it down. (laughs) Okay. Are, are we ready? Are we cozy? Do we have hot chocolate? No, but that's... I'm ready. I don't have hot chocolate, but I'm still cozy. Okay. Good. I hope all of you listeners I'm, and I'm I guess... i hot chocolate in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> cozy up with some hot chocolate listeners is about to get corny. That's corny with a C. Ho, ho, hopefully. Inspired by Ho, ho, hopefully. By the main. The piercing scream of the kid currently seated on Santa's lap registered to Dimitri at somewhere around a high sea. The general din of the mall around them rose to a mighty cacophony, swelling into that one sharp scream. And for a second, Dimitri wondered if the child would pass out from the effort, and thought his own eardrums might burst should he hear one more scream that day. That would certainly make a pretty picture, he thought, as his finger hovered over the shutter release button. But Holly, the spry blonde elf who stood at Santa's side and helped move things along, sprang into action, and in a flash the terrified boy transformed into a calm, collected, almost well-behaved child, who gazed up, understandably, at the pretender in the red suit. Dimitri never could get over how patient Holly was with these kids. She backed off once the boy started to giggle, her work finished and resumed her place once more at the mall Santa's side, 
Holly winked at Dimitri. He grinned and was able to take the picture, the last kid of this two-hour block. They'd have about 15 minutes of glorious nothing to do until 3.15, when the chaos would resume once more for the remaining four hours before the mall closed. That would be the big rush. After all, what kid wouldn't want a last-minute appeal to Santa Claus on Christmas Eve? But that was a problem for the Dimitri of 15 minutes from now. The Dimitri of right this minute turned off the camera, put the computer to sleep, and slumped onto the beanbag chairs that were shaped like presents and other such goodies under the large display Christmas tree. Polly flopped down beside him, sighing contentedly and placing her head on his shoulder, and he ran a hand through her hair, just as she expected him to. Ella Fitzgerald's velvety voice sang out over the dingy mall speakers, How'd you like to spend Christmas on Christmas Island? How'd you like to spend a holiday away across the sea? That sounds lovely, Polly murmured, her eyes closed. Anything's better than here. We're in California, Dimitri said. Isn't it basically like living on an island? Spoken like a true East Coaster, she said and sat up. This is nothing like living on an island. This is working in the smoggiest, busiest, most obnoxious place in the world. If I could disappear to Fiji, or one of the Greek islands, or Bermuda, I would. Which is why I'm taking off tomorrow. Dimitri, still sprawled out on the beanbag chair, didn't look up. You're really gonna go backpacking through Europe in winter? Alone? I already told you, not just Europe. I get it. I know. The world isn't wide enough for Holly, is it? It isn't! Dimitri finally met her eyes. I just... Are you sure that this is what you want to do? She turned to him, the most serious he'd seen her in many days. As serious as I was about becoming a mall elf 30 days ago. She broke, grinning ear to ear, and punched him lightly on the shoulder. Her blue-green eyes lit up like the Christmas lights on the tree behind them. Thank you again for flying out here. I know this was another trademark holly whim. A holly jolly holiday whim, if you will. Ew, she laughed. Don't ever say that again. But yeah, I've always wanted to be an elf, and I think this was the cutoff year. What, were you worried you'd sprout gray hairs and wrinkles in a year or two? I'm just saying, who wants to see a 27-year-old elf? Nobody. As opposed to the skyrocketing demand for a 26-year-old elf. Holly rolled her eyes. Sure. My point is, this was on my bucket list, so I just wanted to say thanks for doing this with me. I know this is your vacation time, probably not what you wanted to be doing, but... I'm glad you agreed. Dimitri rubbed the back of his neck and sat up. Holly, if there's one thing I've learned since I met you, it's that I'm just along for the ride, and if I trust you, it'll be smoother. He laughed as she threw a light punch into his arm. And it's been cool, seeing where you grew up. I've never made it to the West Coast. Are you really sure you don't want to stick around here for, you know, a little longer? I don't feel like staying anywhere for very long right at the moment. She turned and rested a hand on his knee, and warmth from it spread through his entire body. 
It's been really nice getting to spend so much time together, Dimitri. I'm glad you came out. I've missed you. <clears throat> Same here, he said, trying to come off as cool and casual as possible. They'd been best friends since they had gone to college in Connecticut together. Polly a SoCal transplant, Dimitri a native Yankee. His parents had expected him to pursue a career as a doctor. He'd wanted to study archaeology. Eventually, they met in the middle, and Dimitri pursued a degree in accounting, a boringly safe but honorable enough job that had one advantage. It was what led him to Holly, who sat next to him one day in Accounting 103 three weeks late because she'd forgotten she'd even registered for the class. Long nights spent studying over Egg Fu Young, weekends spent hiking, an activity that Holly insisted on, having never seen leaves changed in fall. And summer spent working together at the local ice cream parlor, had cemented a friendship that Dimitri felt was going to last forever. Maybe they'd get a job together at the same firm, grab lunch every Tuesday at the same sandwich place. They went together like winters and sweaters. And then Holly dropped the bomb. She had decided, after four years and one internship later, that she didn't want to be an accountant after all. Nobody wants to actually be an accountant, he argued, only for Holly to retort. Then why should we stick with it? He didn't have an answer then. To this day, he still hadn't come up with one. He still remembered the fire in Holly's eyes as she pleaded with him to just take some time before he started working, to hit the open road with her. We could do anything, anything and everything. I know you're not happy, Dimitri scoffed. What was the point of me going to school for four years then? Because I don't think happiness has anything to do with it. She looked hurt, though he wasn't sure why. Maybe it was to learn what you weren't supposed to do. This had baffled and angered him. What was he supposed to do, write off the last four years as a loss? He had student debt to take care of. Traveling and working odd jobs was a ridiculous pipe dream worthy of a J.D. Salinger plot, and he told her as much. They fought that night, each saying things to the other that they didn't mean. And before Holly left town, she did not say goodbye. But Holly couldn't stay mad at Dimitri for long. And when she got to her first adventure, as she called it, she sent him a letter. At first, this hurt him. She hadn't called, texted, hell, hadn't emailed him in weeks. He was torn between ignoring her and calling her that very second. But instead, he read the letter. She wanted to revive the dying art of handwritten correspondence, she wrote to him. And besides, writing letters meant that enough time had passed that neither of them could very well be angry at the other any longer. For three years, they kept in touch this way, with phone calls few and far between, but a letter every two weeks, where Holly kept Dimitri abreast of her adventures and Dimitri... Dimitri wished her well. There was the year she worked on a dairy farm in Wisconsin as a farmhand, until she grew bored of that. There was the summer she worked as a driver for a mobile library in Philadelphia. She even did some accounting for a small art gallery in Eastport, Maine, though it was pro bono. She was earning enough helping a local restaurant shuck oysters, among other things. All the while, she sent Dimitri letters that he read at his Hartford office, where he went to the same sandwich place, ordered a turkey on rye, and watched the ducks swimming in the industrial park pond, always wishing that he'd gone off with his best friend to see the country. 
Then the day came when the safe, stable company that Dimitri had anchored his entire life to went under. And suddenly he was 26 and living at home with his parents. There was a glut in the market. Too many young people with accounting degrees who did not have accounting jobs. And for the first time in years, Dimitri did not know what he was going to do. That was until Holly sent her latest letter. Come spend a month with me here in Burbank. I'm going to work for Santa. He didn't have to think twice about his invitation, though at the time he had no idea what she meant. Still, he booked the first flight out. In the present, Holly stood and began adjusting some of the toys under the tree, sensing the end of their break approaching. You know, I think you benefited the most from this little escapade. Who knew you had such a talent for photography? It's on a tripod. I press a button. It's pretty hard to be bad at photography. Tell that to a photographer, she said. But I'll admit, it's hard to screw up taking pictures of kids sitting on Santa's lap. I mean it, though. You do have an eye. I can see it. The best I can do is take pictures of all your weird SoCal food, he sighed. And I'm not even very good at that. Imagine how good you'd be at taking mediocre pictures of food made in the opposite side of the globe, Holly said, her tone hinting to a question she'd asked him weeks ago, one he was still mulling over in his head. They were quiet for a moment, staring off into the calm before the storm of the line that was now beginning to form. Dimitri looked away from it and briefly locked eyes with an intense woman sitting in the food court who was aggressively chewing on a churro until he looked away uncomfortably. He gazed back up at Holly and wondered where her mind was. Was she already on that plane? Or was she hiking through the Swiss Alps, unafraid of frostbite? Maybe she'd get a job farming snails in France. He felt a slight ache in his chest at the thought of his stay coming to an end. The invitation is still open, you know. Holly didn't look at him as she said that, but he could hear the tremor of nervousness in her voice. Holly, he began, but he couldn't say anything. He knew what this was. Chance number two. Gallivant with your best friend across the globe now before it's too late. But how could he? How could he let his family down more than he already had? How could he let Holly down more than he already had? You don't have to say anything now, she said, but there's a seat for you if you want it. There's always been one for you. Holly walked off to meet the actor playing Santa, whom she had to escort back from the break he took in the secret place where the kids could see him smoking. Dimitri stood and prepped the camera, thinking about tomorrow. Maybe he could swing it. Maybe... No. He shoved that idea deep, deep down. No use trying to dream of the impossible while dreading the inevitable. He planned to simply make the best of the rest of his day, go to the party at Holly's cousin's apartment with her, and pack for his own flight home tomorrow. What did she mean by there always being a seat for me? Say cheese! Great job, kid. Does she know that she makes these pictures easy? Does she know how easy it is to look at her all day? Look at me! Yeah, that's right. Does she know how much I want to say yes? And great, got it. Thanks. Hey, whispered someone from behind him. Hey, kid. Dimitri turned. A woman who looked something in her mid-thirties was leaning over one of the barriers between two waiting mothers, hissing at him. He rolled his eyes. I'm twenty. Never mind. 
Ma'am, you have to wait in line like everybody else. You don't get to jump the line. I don't give a flying- Ma'am, he said urgently. The, uh, kids. Come on. He could swear he'd seen her before, but his mind refused to place her. She gave a dramatic, angry sigh. Listen, I've been watching you little elves day in and day out for close to a week. That's... Why? There's nowhere else to look when you eat food in the food court. That was it. Dimitri smiled at the satisfaction of finally knowing where he'd seen her before. This seemed to enrage her. Listen! I've watched you both, you and that little blonde one. Y yeah, you said. Shut up! If I have to watch you both pining over each other for one more minute without doing something about it, I'm gonna... I'm going to... I don't even know what I'm going to do, but it's going to be violent and extremely cathartic for me personally. The woman pointed the end of her churro in Dimitri's face. Ma'am, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm going to have to ask you to leave. I'm leaving! Okay? I'm going. But I swear to Christ, you'd better tell each other how you feel, because your love is making me sick to my stomach. The nerve! Flaunting it in front of us all day. I swear I... The woman was unable to articulate any longer, her rage choking her insults. Ah! I... Excuse me, I have to go, she said, and walked away in a frustrated huff without giving Dimitri the satisfaction of telling her to go screw. Dimitri shook his head and went back to the camera, reassuring Holly with a look that there wasn't a problem. Imagine, he thought, being unable to see a healthy, perfectly normal friendship between two people. Just because we happen to be a- Say cheese! Thanks, yeah, happy holidays to you two. Opposite genders, we just have to be in love, don't we? Merry Christmas, thank you. Besides, that would just be... Impossible. She couldn't... I couldn't be... He locked eyes with Holly again, focusing more on getting her to laugh rather than the toddler centered in the shot. Her eyes lit up with a warmth that made him feel a sudden pain at the thought of not being around them once again. Never in his life had he looked at Holly the way he was staring at her now, or was that the point? That he'd always been staring at her like this. That he'd always felt a little bigger, a little taller when he touched her or when she made him smile. That he always felt like nobody made him feel more like himself than when she was around. Holly bent over and pointed right at the camera, motioning for the little boy who was looking everywhere else to look at him instead. And as she did so, he thought he could see something in her. Something he hadn't noticed before. There's always a seat for you, her voice echoed in his head. They were standing in the parking lot of the mall, Holly walking to her car, Dimitri waiting for an Uber. You're being ridiculous, you know that? I can drive you to the liquor store. My cousin doesn't need you to buy- My parents had it drilled into me to always bring the gift of alcohol, he sighed. I don't want to keep you. But I'm going with you, she said, smiling. I can drive! You need to save your gas. For the airport. You know, because it's- a rental. Yes, Dimitri, I know. Holly sighed, and turned to look across the lot at her car. And perhaps it was because she wasn't looking at him that he had the courage to ask, What did you mean when you said there was always a seat for me? 
She faced him, her cheeks a little red. I... What? I just... He felt a hitch in his voice, swallowed, and began again. Holly, I... I've been thinking... Thinking a lot about everything over the last couple of years, and I just... Why did you even want me to come here if you were going to leave again? Because I hope I could get you to come with me this time, she said, kicking a rock and avoiding his eyes. It's just... Holly, I'm just gonna disappoint you. The truth steamrolled him. I'm not like you, Holly. I bow easily to social pressure. I do what my parents want me to do. I gave up on my dreams because I thought that's what you're supposed to do, and I don't even know why you, someone who just does whatever she thinks of, would want me to come with you. I'm just gonna bring you down, Holly. I don't want to do that to you. I, I care. The hitch in his voice was back, but he didn't fight it this time. She held his gaze, and for the first time since he'd known her, Holly looked vulnerable. You couldn't bring me down even if you tried, Dimitri. Dimitri wasn't sure what he was supposed to say in this moment, but Holly saved him by continuing. It's not that I don't care about my life. I just decided that there had to be more than what they said there was to it. Happiness does matter, Dimitri, and you... She lamely gestured to him, then brushed a tear from her face. You make me happy. I really care about you. I've always cared about you. You always had a way of making everything seem okay, especially when I was so uncertain about real life and, and everything. You're why I felt that I was strong enough to even go away in the first place. And when I left, every time I did something new or went someplace I'd never been or saw some beautiful view, I just... I just wanted you there with me. To share it. You're the only person I ever wanted to run away with, Dimitri. I love how you worry about me. I love how you keep me grounded and make me think things through. I love that you make me smile, and I love that you dream even if you say you don't. I love... I love... She smiled, but it was pained, as if something she'd tried to keep secret was now bubbling to the surface. Dimitri said nothing, though his heart beat a million miles a minute. He couldn't think of anything to say that would come remotely close to how he really felt. He had never been that articulate. So as she turned away again to wipe away another tear, he simply grabbed her arm, pulled her close to him, and kissed her. They didn't move for what felt like an eternity, and when they finally came up for air, she didn't pull away from him. She pressed her forehead to his, and laughed. Thank God you did it! <laughs> I don't have the height or upper body strength to pull you down here. You worked on a dairy farm for a year throwing hay bales or whatever. Why do you think I quit? <laughs> they laughed and he kissed her again. That extra seat isn't taken, is it? It is now. Ollie said. It is now. Are you sure your cousin likes Ramchata? Dimitri asked as Holly rang the doorbell for the third time. What, Sam? He's crazy about it. It's just that, I don't know, I, it wasn't as expensive as the wine and... You're sure he won't mind me being here? 
Hey, if he gets to bring his girlfriend to the party, I get to bring my... Uh... Person? Boyfriend? Significant other? It's his party, though, Dimitri said. But the door swung open. The woman from the mall stared back at them. The... The elves? Oh, hi! You must be Sam's girlfriend. I've heard so much about you. Holly said, playing it straight, though Dimitri could tell that Holly recognized the woman from the kerfuffle at the mall. I... Yeah, sorry. He never showed me... any... any pictures. The woman gulped. Dimitri struck out his hand. Hey, I'm Dimitri. Holly's... Oh, well, we're not putting a label on it right now, he said, but he winked at the woman. Softly, he said, thanks for the tip. The woman smiled sheepishly. Delilah, she said, then, I'm really sorry about all of that. The holiday stress, it's okay, he said. It brought us exactly where we're supposed to be. The end. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> okay. That almost killed me. That almost killed me reading it. I had to get silly at the end, or I wasn't going to make it. I have to commend you so much for writing, like, a beautiful... Like, I, I need Hallmark, Netflix, somebody. Let's go. Peach. Absolutely great. Thank you. <laughs> Every, everything about their relationship aggravated me. Uh, but that's mostly because, you know, the whole, we're friends, but we don't yeah. say that, that yeah. trope always aggravates me. Yes. <laughs> so. It aggravates so like, me too. <laughs> so like, that's why your writing was great as always. And Holly pissed me off. <laughs> it's just a manic pixie dream girl goes off to. Listen. In a scrapped episode that none of you will hear, we were talking about how we were going to develop these stories, and at one point I joked I was going to make Holly a manic pixie dream girl, and I don't think you believed me, but here we are. <laughs> I didn't, but yeah. <laughs> she, she's the yeah. personification. She's literally an elf. <laughs> I really Not a like, pixie, but it's close. Yeah, I don't know how else to make a 26-year-old be like, yes, I want to be a mall elf, which I think think but correct me if i'm wrong mall elves out there in the world i feel like that's a teenager's job i mean I yeah I... like it's usually a job for a teen but who knows maybe there are career elves that are in their 30s doing this so i can't even judge my point is i needed a, a believable person to be like yes i want to work as a mall elf and have that be the centerpiece of my romance because the original plot was for two actual elves in Santa's workshop to fall in love that I would name I don't know fucking mistletoe and dingleberry I don't know <laughs> which also would have made a good story yes not as good as this one no I'm kidding <laughs> no this one was very good your your confrontation scene is definitely different than the one that is in my story I, I figured. I just I just needed to get it down because, like, I didn't know when you were going to finish. So I was like, eh, let me just hurry up and get something down there just in case. Because, uh, listeners, um, this took me entirely too long to finish my part of the story. So 
Yeah. But yeah, I liked your story a lot. It, Thank I, you. I think it's peak. It, it really is peak. Like Hallmark Channel sickeningly sweet romance. <laughs> Listen, I said that's what I was going to do, and I did my best. I'm glad it was up to par, at least with A Christmas Prince. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would have much rather watched this movie than <laughs> A Christmas Prince. Not a. Hey, uh,. All for a, Trist- a Christmas Prince at the sidebar. I wasn't. I didn't like that one. <laughs> you didn't like it? No. Oh, it was, wait. It was I'm, terrible. I liked the I'm Princess mi- Switch. I'm mixing it up yeah. with the Princess I, The Princess Switch. They're all the same. Yeah, I know. Now listen. We know. They're probably like, what's the difference? And we couldn't. Well, the one that the, we the actually. The Princess Switch is actually the, the one that, that one, we like. That one was fun. At least. The the two of them. Although the second one was kind of unnecessary. The point is, is that a Christmas prince, just as a little, a little whatever. Yeah, the that woman, was... The objectively terrible. She's just not good. No. She's she lies, person. worms her way into this royal family, almost ruins this man's life, <laughs> unruins it, but barely. Okay, we're, we're getting off subject here. The point is, definitely... Better than a Christmas prince. I appreciate that. I'm glad that it meant because, like, I wanted it to be both. At least it, it was kind of good, but I still wanted it to very much feel like a Hallmark Channel story. So that's good. I'm glad that I achieved that. Hopefully, it's better than Snow Bride. <laughs> Again, why would you lie about being a reporter and then sneaking in to this man's house to just get the scoop on his? I have, I have no sympathy for you at that point. Like, I don't care what happens. Why are you marrying this woman? She lied to you. Yeah, I have no sympathy for her, and you kind of deserve what you did at this point if you're going to actually trust this woman. Yep, exactly. Anyway, that was my story. I'm glad you liked it, and I'm glad that it made you vomit ten times. <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you catch all of the lyrics from the song that I just slipped in there? I caught some of them, but not all of them, so... I appreciate the commitment to the song. That was I just was like, listen, it's the Christmas one. I might as well. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. But anyway, that's done. I want to hear your story now. So, uh, my story is not that great. But it's okay, because I'm sure you'll get a chuckle out of it. It might be great. You don't know. Don't talk badly about yourself and your Hallmark Channel skills. Hire us, Hallmark This is Channel. not fit for Hallmark Channel. Is it fit for Lifetime? No. Is it fit for... <laughs> I just... You know, I'm... You're right. Gen- I'm, General Hospital? We'll just... We'll just... I think I went in a different direction. Oh, was it sad? No. But, um, no more talking. No more talking. Don't spoil it for me. Just give it to me. Alright, so... My story is... Called Cinnabon Christmas. Oh, I love it. Yes. Cinnabon Christmas, a short story inspired by Ho Ho, hopefully, by the way. Do you ever think about mall tiles? Seriously, every mall you ever walk into has the same boring bone or shell color tiles on the floor. The kind that sort of squeak when you drag your sneaker against them just right. 
lined up and adhered to the ground, leading your descent into a contemporary materialistic fever dream, accented by the occasional swatch of dreary carpeting, fake plants, and inexplicable water fountains fading serenity and chaos. It was someone's job to pick that tile. Some person lived their whole life, traveled many miles, accumulated a wealth of knowledge just to reach a time and place in their grand journey where they had to pour over and parse through dozens of overpriced floor examples until one of them finally screamed maul in their mind. And they picked it. All for people of little consequence like me to spill holiday-themed lattes on it and leave black stuff marks with our heels. So it goes. I wonder if that unnamed person spent as much time thinking about these damn tiles as I have over the last several days in my proverbial Christmas madness. Hello there! Welcome back to Cinnabon! Would you like your usual again today? In my head, I reply to the well-meaning employee with a genial smile and a Yes ma'am, thank you! But what comes out instead is more of a cross between a grunt and a half-conscious murmur in the general direction of the chipper woman behind the counter. So, how's your holiday shopping going today? You must have a pretty big list. I should be nicer to her. It's not her fault that I've been floundering at picking out a gift for Sam and drowning my holiday woes in sticky sweet icing all week. But still, she didn't have to remind me of it. I mean, really, lady, I don't need my mall Cinnabon interactions to be any deeper than, Hi, welcome, what cinnamon-flavored health risk would you like today? That's it! Why deviate from the script we had at the beginning of the week? That was cool with me. I pulled out a buzzing phone from my pocket and stared at Sam's name, photo filling the screen. God, that photo's so stupid. Him flashing that adorable, dorky grin while practically bursting out of my favorite sweater. You'd better take a photo, because I'm never giving the sweater back to you. He had joked while jamming his head through the neck hole. After I took the picture, he took one look at that cheesy grin on his face, heard the massive groan I let out at his ridiculousness, and snatched the phone out of my hand to set it as his contact image immediately. Of all the grade A photos we've taken in the four months we've been seeing each other, that's the one he insists on having fill up my screen every day. But even though my eyes roll back into my head with every phone call, I still haven't changed it yet. One large Cinnabon for Delilah! Hmm, a sweater? Is that a good gift? I could double back to Macy's and check the men's section again for the fifth time this afternoon. Order for Delilah? You'd be amazed how quickly every item of clothing in existence begins to blur together and lose its appeal after spending hours grazing limp fingers against stiff polyester blends and cheap wool knits. Ugh, my eyes glaze over just thinking about it. No. No sweaters. Or jackets. Or flannel shirts. Every single one of them in every single store is just... It's all the same, isn't it? Thousands of tiny strands woven together in organized chaos until it forms sheets and shapes of fabric. What really makes one sweater different from the next? Color, form, texture. Ugh, God, get me out of this mall. Miss? 
A loud voice snaps my face up from my now dark phone screen to see the woman holding up a baby blue box with a pile of napkins on top. And there's a long line starting to form behind me. Great. With another unenthused grumble, I snatch the box out of her hand, barely registering the flutter of paper napkins falling to the ground like snow, and stand them all for a table. I know Sam is probably wondering where I am by now, but I'm gonna sit my ass down and eat this damn thing. Why? Because I am the idiot who spent weeks searching every mall in the county, hoping to find the perfect present for her boyfriend. I am the idiot who is still empty-handed two hours before his Christmas party. And I am the idiot who thinks that this Cinnabon might be the only thing gluing together the last fragments of my sanity. Anyway, technically I was already late since Sam had invited me over to help set up before everyone else arrived. And by help set up, I mean come over and recite lines along with Christmas movies while I finish getting everything ready. You know, just like my Halloween party. He had said after dinner a few nights ago, with his face practically glowing from his Cheshire grin. What? You mean my killer Freddy Krueger impression wasn't helpful? I had quipped, grin mirroring his. Oh, it was very helpful. Couldn't have done it without it. I can almost hear the jovial laugh that followed his reply, along with a kiss on my temple that sent shivers up my spine. I know why this is so hard. He's just so damn self-sufficient. I mean, how do you shop for someone who's so on top of everything? Finding a decently clean table, I plopped myself into the hard plastic chair, ripped open the Cinnabon box, and slathered the extra side of icing on top of the cinnamon roll before taking a huge bite. Tapping my phone awake again, the clock at the top of the screen changed to 6 p.m. Ugh. It didn't matter anymore. Time is just a construct, and oh, a watch. I could get him a watch. That, that is a terrible gift idea, too. I bought my dad a watch last year. Sam doesn't even wear a watch. Come on, Delilah, get it together. Your uh, hair looks really nice today, Holly. A male voice from a few feet away chimed up. Fucking hell. Of course I picked the one table closest to the Santa's workshop set, where a chain-smoking jolly old Saint Nick and his two elves were taking overpriced photos with crying children. Look, I have no problem with mall Santas. Honestly, I get it. Childhood memories and all that. It's the elves, though. Well, just these two, really. Oh, thanks, Dimitri, Holly said with an irritatingly sweet giggle. I looked over to the man and woman dressed in brightly colored tights and jingle bells, standing side by side behind a camera, and beaming smiles at each other just as stupid as their costumes. Every day, as I have descended into this madness that is Christmas shopping at the mall, I have had to bear witness to these two horned-up elves eye-fucking and pining after each other all day. I swear, yesterday I watched that guy Dimitri sprint like a fucking Olympic champion just to pick up the jangly green hat that fell off her head. A hat. People wear hats. Hats could be gifts. I could get Sam a hat. No. No, I'm not getting Sam a hat. 
he just end up taking it off anyway, so he could do that thing he always does with his hair when he's concentrating on something. He ruffles his fingers through it and then shakes his head a couple times as if he's trying to set it back into place again. <laughs> it always makes me laugh. I might mess it up just to try and fix it again. Oh, hey, Dimitri, listen, it's your favorite Christmas song. Holly remarked to Dimitri before guiding a little boy up the steps to Santa. Come on. Do you know how nauseating two people have to be for a literal stranger to notice how much they're crazy about each other? The answer is excruciatingly nauseating. He just keeps looking at her. Even now, from behind the camera, he's just staring, grinning, looking like a damn fool. And the costume's not helping. How about a camera? The thought crossed my mind, and I had to shove a huge bite of Cinnabon in my mouth just to keep from muttering obscenities to myself. Yes, Delilah, get your professional photographer boyfriend a camera. It will make a fine addition to the five he already has. I've really been at this for weeks, and that's the best I can come up with. <sighs> at the end of every day, I've thought I should just pick something and be done with it. Literally anything. And I just keep ending up back here, scarfing down a Cinnabon, staring at elves. Will I ever, ever know peace? Polishing off the last of the sugary confection, I close my eyes for a moment, only to hear Holly's laugh echo through them all. Fuck it! I've had it! The madness has to end! Standing up abruptly, I marched through a crowd of impatient parents and children, muscling my way to the camera in Santa's workshop, where Dimitri was setting up for the next photo. Um, excuse me, ma'am? There's a line. An irritated voice from the crowd of parents cried out. Shut up! I barked as I tapped Dimitri's shoulder, startling him and tearing his gaze away from Holly. I have to talk to you. Uh, uh, hi? Do I know you? He replied sheepishly as Holly walked over towards us. No, but I need to tell you something. Oh, uh, okay. Why don't we just go over here? Uh, Holly? Dimitri turned to her with a soft and starry look in his eyes that made me want to vomit. Can you handle the line? Oh, just screw her already. Jesus, I blurted out. Whoa, ho, ho. Uh, lady, do you have to do this now in Santa's workshop? The mall Santa replied, standing up and walking over to the three of us. Yes, I do, because this has been going on for far too long, for the love of God. I began to say as Santa nudged us further away from the line of parents and children. I have been Christmas shopping in this hellscape of a mall all week, and every day I come in here and am forced to watch you two idiots mentally undress each other with your eyes every five seconds. I mean, it's so obvious what's going on between you two. I can see it. Even Santa here probably sees it. I turned to the guy in the Santa costume, who suddenly began looking up at the skylight in the ceiling. I... uh... no comment he muttered before walking back to entertain the children still waiting. Take that as a yes. Look, 
I don't care what you else do about this at the end of the day, but dear God, can you at least not subject the rest of us to having to watch this bullshit? You clearly are attracted to each other. You keep fucking staring at her. You can't stop blushing every time he speaks. I mean, you two are attached at the hip. You talk every day. You think about him all the time. You've memorized every goddamn inch of his stupid chiseled face. The way he says your name in the morning makes you want to melt into puddles. And if you could give him the entire world on a platter, you would, and it'd still not be good enough. I mean, why can't you just cut the bullshit, self-pity, get out of this fucking mall, and admit you're in love? I caught my breath for a moment and looked on at Holly and Dimitri, the silver bells on their costumes quivering slightly, and the realization that I was standing in the middle of a mall screaming at two strangers in elf costumes creeped into my brain. What the fuck am I doing here? I have to go. Sprinting out of the mall, I slid into my car and drove to Sam's apartment, only half aware of what my body was doing as I finally got there and knocked on his door. Hey... Sam's greeting came out warmly as he opened the door. Pushing past his extending arms, I entered the beautifully decorated living room filled with twinkling white lights and the scent of freshly baked cookies. I can't do it! Uh, do what? Closing the door, Sam began to walk closer to me as I started pacing circles in front of a small Christmas tree. At- No! Stay there with your fucking Prince Charming bullshit. Looking down, I could see a neatly wrapped golden box labeled for Delilah waiting patiently under the tree. I don't even know what's in the damn thing and it looks perfect. Christ. Delilah, is... is everything okay? No! I have been in the mall for weeks, literal weeks, trying to buy a gift for you, and I can't. I can't do it. I can't hear the same ten Christmas songs blasted through shitty speakers or watch horned-up mall elves eye-fuck each other in Santa's workshop day after day after day. I can't fight over another parking spot, I can't eat another Cinnabon, and I can't walk into another store staring at 50% off sweaters or watches agonizing over what to get you while knowing damn well you've already gotten me a gift that's probably perfect like everything else about you. The concern on Sam's face disappeared slightly to make way for another breathtaking smile, and though he attempted to interject, I continued on. See? Like that. You're not real. You, you're you just gonna look at me with that smile, open your mouth, and know exactly what to say to me right now to make me laugh, or melt, or cry, or whatever I need to do at this moment. Like a goddamn wizard, like you always do, because you're so, so wonderfully... You! Why are you like this? I mean, Jesus, how many more times can you make me fall in love with you? It's frankly just disgusting at this point. Is that eggnog? I asked, walking to a punch bowl and a stack of plastic cups placed squarely on a table behind the couch. I didn't bother to wait for an answer as I filled the cup and shut it down. So, fuck you and the horse you rode in on, because I'm not buying you anything. Can't do it. I give up. Ignoring the searing burn of bourbon traveling down my throat, I filled the cup again and made my way to the front of the couch where I sank down into the plush cushions and throw pillows. Even his couch was perfect. After feeling myself settle down again, I finally looked over to Sam, whose grin had somehow grown even bigger and more radiant. 
why are you smiling at me? I whined, burying my face into a pillow. Because you just gave me the best Christmas present you could have given me. What, a mental breakdown? I muttered, to which Sam broke out into a small fit of laughter. Why are you laughing at me? I lightly tossed a pillow towards him, unable to suppress a grin of my own as he blocked it. I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh, he said as he grabbed the pillow and came to sit with me on the couch. But did you miss the part where you told me you were in love with me? At what? Just now, by the tree, he said, stretching an arm around me and inviting me closer. Well, I believe the exact phrasing you used was, Jesus, how many more times can you make me fall in love with you? But I'll take it. I felt my face grow a little warm from slight embarrassment as I turned to look at him. Though actually, that might just be the eggnog. Well, that was... Okay, admittedly, I kind of blacked out there at the end, but... Before I could continue, Sam leaned down to capture my lips with his, and all the days of melodramatic musings over elves and food courts flew out of my mind. All that was left was the warmth I found tucked underneath his arm. Pulling away slowly, I kept my eyes closed for a moment as I lingered there in the fading sensation of his kiss. Fine. I love you. I finally said after opening my eyes again and smiling up at him. Not exactly how I thought I'd say that to you for the first time, though. Oh, I couldn't imagine it going any other way. He laughed, tucking a hair behind my ear gingerly. I love you too, Lila. The corners of my mouth somehow spread even wider as I nestled further into him. So, Sam finally said after a few moments spent in the most comfortable silence I've had all day. Is now a bad time to tell you your Christmas present is a lifetime supply of Cinnabons? That's not funny, I said with a groan as he broke out into another fit of laughs. I mean, it's a little funny. <laughs> the end. Okay, so first of all, first of all, how dare you come out here with a, oh, set your bar real low, I don't know about your, I think my story's not good. That was on par with the writing of the original A Christmas Story, you know, like a, hey, you know, that, that, the writing in that, uh, in my opinion, it's, it's. I don't know about Sam Levinson, because to me, he's, like, the peak of comedy writing. But, like, that was really fucking good. <laughs> it was, number one, genuinely heartwarming. It genuinely made me laugh. If I came across this in a collection of Christmas short stories, I this would be one of my favorite ones. Oh. Thank this you. was This was genuinely a delight to listen to. And stylistically, it was wonderful, because, like, he really captures Delilah's, like, frantic mental state of like i'm at my wit's end i am tired of the same christmas music i am suffering as only a retail worker suffers except i can leave 
<laughs> from like from the intro of the mall tile to like the ultimate end where she just goes off. This was wonderful. This was a great story. This was this at least gets a spot in ABC Family or Freeform. <laughs> Coming now. But I'm just I'm just saying this was actually really well done and it wasn't schlock hall like it wasn't corny. It was actually just a really good time and a pleasant story to listen to. I I think you you sold yourself very short on this one. I loved it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you for saying nice things about me because I was very insecure about this story. I don't know why. I don't know why. This is one of, I think, in a way, this is this is uncharted territory for you because a lot of what you've read is like, like the spooky stuff or the macabre stuff. And I already know you do that well. And this was literally just like happy, but also in a way, it was like a slice of life, but you really did capture, it was a character sketch of this, of this woman going through this part of her life and you did it so well. And I was genuinely laughing and genuinely finding joy from it. And I was like, oh, yeah, we've all been there. Like, she's very relatable. I've never wanted to accost uh, small elves eye-fucking each other. But I think... When pushed to the brink. When pushed to the brink. <laughs> you know, who knows what I would do. And I think it's, I think this was a very well-written story. Again, I if I came across this in a short story collection of like Christmas short stories... This would easily be one of my favorite ones. And I know Christmas stories. I like to read them. That's a little fun fact about me. But I like <laughs> I know what I'm talking about when I say that yours is actually, like, actually good. Not like, oh, Hallmark Channel good. Or, like, cheesy Netflix special. This was, like, actually good. I enjoyed this very much. Thank you. That means a lot coming from you because you are I, I very much trust your opinion because again you are always a great writer like literally every time we do these I'm just like she's so good she's not so this time <laughs> no because that's the thing even like your story you very obviously were going for a like a romantic comedy feel but like yeah. your story was easily better than like any Hallmark channel like it had more heart it yes, has more no. heart. It ha no, no, it definitely did. Do not sell yourself short. Because uh, if I can't sell myself short, you can't yeah. either. I actually believed the characters were real people. <laughs> you know, you watch a Hallmark Channel movie and you're just like, these people, like, they're so one-dimensional. Mm. Like, no disrespect to people that write Hallmark Channel movies because we all love them. Your your characters, like, they had, like, real genuine, like, motivations and fears. You understood why there was this, like, hesitation and why they weren't taking things further. Like, and I think that is sometimes missing from a lot of other stories that I read sometimes. Where it's just, like, you're like, but why? But why, yeah. <laughs> like, this is happening, that's, but why? That's fair. I also really love because I didn't know that your that your Sam was a photographer. Yeah, so I love that I slipped in all those photographer like and like it's also I mean Delilah lenses are so fucking expensive. You could have bought him a very expensive lens. Just saying, 
he would have appreciated it as someone who eyes $2,000 lenses end up on the regular. He would have liked it, Delilah. <laughs> At the end of the day, it wasn't about, like, not knowing what to get him, really. It was just, like, she she loves him so much, and she just doesn't know. She just doesn't feel like there's anything she could get that would even equate to how much she loves him. This is what happens when gift-giving is your love language. <laughs> Again, Delilah was very relatable, <laughs> but but no, I really loved your the the way you wrote her dialogue. Her inner monologue was so good. I want you to publish this in a magazine. I know the season's over, but I want you to publish this in a magazine. I want this Christmas story immortalized now. I mean, it is on our podcast, but like, I want more. <laughs> I, I I don't I don't know if it's that good. I, f- I, I don't know. I feel like it could be. I feel like it could be. But that's my opinion. I just really liked this story. This was a very good Christmas story. So. Again, I appreciate it. And your story was equally as, like, wonderful. And it made me, it made me choke and vomit on their adorableness, which is what I want. It was the goal. Yeah, like it that, was the goal. That's I purposefully what I wrote. Story like that. <laughs> that's like why when I edited it, I was like, I'm gonna ramp up the little, little factor because I it, it made me a couple of times, but I was like, it could be better. It could be better. So when I read it uh, through on my own, I actually like messed it up multiple times on the recording because I was like, oh god, this is I'm making myself sick. But, <laughs> but thank you, friend. Um, I think then that we've had a very successful Christmas episode. I, I guess that's it. Did we do it? I, I suppose I suppose we did it. We did. Thank you, yeah, ho, ho, hopefully, for inspiring so much, so much joy. And I do have to say, the song really did kind of guide the direction of my story. Because there's something, like, there, there's something, there's like a... The line, there's a line in Ho Ho Hopefully, when she's not around, I go insane or something like that. Uh, hold on, I have, I actually have the lyrics up because I was learning how to play it on the guitar. Running late and lost. When she's not around, I'm going crazy. When not around, I'm going crazy. Yeah, I feel, I feel like it kind of guided the, the madness. <laughs> Thank you, Ho Ho Hopefully, for inspiring so much joy and we've we've come to the end but it's also a time where we want to say thank you to all of our listeners far and wide uh, especially this season especially this year we want to say thank you to everybody who stuck around to everyone who has found just a little bit of enjoyment and cheer from our episodes and our stories and whatever we bring you uh, thank you from the bottom of our hearts, and we hope that you all have a very, very beautiful holiday season with your families mm-hmm. and or or friends, depending on whoever you're with. Couldn't have said it any better myself, fam. So please, without further ado, we hope that you join us in next year for the rest of our our season, because this will probably be the last episode we put out this in this year. this yeah. year. But thank you for listening. And in the meantime, please follow us 
on Facebook and Twitter at Rhapsody Podcast and on Instagram as well. I believe we're still Rhapsody Podcast. Yes. Yeah. Rhapsody yeah. Podcast on Twitter and Instagram and Rhapsody and Reverie Podcast on Facebook. That's it. Uh, please consider becoming a Patreon member because if you do, you get our unedited video uh, recordings where we live react to our, each other's stories because I guarantee you, you did not hear all of us making funny vomit noises or, or just funny squealing sounds as we read each other's stories because you weren't paying for the video. <laughs> <laughs> So if you want some fun bonus content, if you wanna if you wanna jump in on on the extra goodies, please consider joining. It would mean the world to us. We love making extra content for you guys, and uh, you know, join join the cheer, join the join us, what is, join us. <laughs> but uh, subscribe to us, please, on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify, whatever Google's podcast app of the month is. Do they still have a podcast app? Google Podcasts. Okay. <laughs> That's good. They keep changing it. I can't keep track. Please go to our website for any announcements, any cool things, any articles, any fun sto- uh, transcripts, uh, actual story things, so you can just read it if you want to. RhapsodyReverie.com. There we go. Nice and simple. And if you want news about the next episode, because uh, what is next? The next oh, it's Cat Clyde. It's it's Cat Clyde. It's what was gonna come out before this one, and then we changed our minds because we wanted to just hurry up and put out a Christmas episode. Yeah. So, so yeah, stay tuned for "I Don't Belong Here" by Cat Clyde coming sometime in the new year. We'll keep you posted on social media. You know the drill. Well, that's it. That's so, it. ho ho ho! A merry Christmas to all and to, and to all. all. Good night. Yeah. 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 Merry Christmas, fam. Merry Christmas. (laughs) I'm about to get some eggnog.